Hello and welcome to the BVC Podcast. Here at Brownsburg Vineyard Church, we want you to know that we are a group of ordinary people that serve an extraordinary God. Our mission is to honor God and advance His kingdom by building disciples who will give their lives to changing the world. Whether you are local or joining us from a distance, we want to thank you for being a part of our family. To learn more about us, you can visit thebvchurch.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's message. such a great opportunity for us to bless about 10,000, 12,000 people in our community who come out for the July 4th parade. So it's kind of become a little bit of a Brownsburg institution. People are expecting uh, the popsicles from our church. So uh, so just a great way, uh, as Christian said, to bless our our community. So uh, there's a, a quote written by an Egyptian man who won the Nobel Peace Prize for literature. And the quote goes like this. You can tell whether a man is clever by his answers, and you can tell whether a man is wise by his questions. And as I thought about that quote, I realized how true that was in my life, that when I thought back on the wisest people I've ever met, those people who I just knew were kind of a a cut above in terms of wisdom, As I thought about those people, what I realized is that the wisest people I've met are kind of free from this compulsion to have to tell me what they know. Free from kind of this insecurity to show how wise they were, but instead of telling me what they know, they would ask me questions about what I know. They would ask me questions about who I am and what my experiences have been. And by asking me those questions, I would have somehow ended up discovering something that I had never known before. I think wise people in that way, they're a little sneaky. Because wise people, they can teach you something without ever actually telling you anything. If you've ever sat with a wise person, you'll kind of walk away from that encounter going, what just happened? I know something that I didn't know before, but I can't remember how I found out. And I think when talking about wise people and sneaky wise people, I think the wisest of all and the sneakiest of all is God. And how God teaches us and how God instructs us and how how God imparts wisdom to us in such a subtle way, such an unexpected way, that so many times we have these encounters with God that radically transform us, that give us a revelation that we never had before, but we didn't even realize it was happening. And one of the ways that God does that, one of the ways that God demonstrates His wisdom, ironically, is by asking the questions that He asks. Last week we kicked off our new series, The Questions, God asks, and during this series, we are going to be looking at four times in which God encountered people, and He asked them a question in order to teach them the answer. And that's what we're going to be doing. Last week, Charlie, who was up here making announcements, did a fantastic job kicking this series off with the story of Adam and Eve, and the question that God asked Adam and Eve after they sinned, and He came into the garden, and He said, where are you? And what Adam and Eve learned 
about God through the question, where are you, is just how much God would care for them no matter where they were. That was the truth that was learned through that question. And so today, we're going to continue the series with a conversation and a question that God asked a woman by the name of Hagar. Now, maybe you've heard of her, maybe you haven't heard of her, she's in the Old Testament. But to really understand who Hagar is, you have to know a little bit about her relationship with Abraham. When you take a look at the whole Old Testament, you can make the argument that Abraham is probably the most important character in the whole Old Testament. Abraham was the father of the Jewish faith, he was the father of the nation of Israel, and by extension, Abraham is really the the, the beginning of the Christian faith. God met Abraham one day, and his name wasn't quite yet Abraham, it was just Abram. And God says to Abram, he gives him this promise, he says, hey, he says, I am going to make you the father of many nations. I am going to give you so many offspring that they are going to be greater than the stars in the sky, more than the sand on the seashore. And and so he changes his name to Abraham, which literally means the father of of many children. And in those days, you couldn't have a better name than Abraham, the father of many children, because in that culture, a man's wealth, a man's influence, a man's power was measured in the number of children that they had. That was the greatest value. So to walk around with the name Abraham, the father of many children, was an honor, except when you're 99 years old and you have zero children, then that name is more of a mockery than it is an honor. See, Abraham had married a woman named Sarah who was barren, and they could not have kids. After years and years of struggling with the barrenness and the frustration, Sarah devises a plan in her own effort, and she says to her husband, Abraham, I have this slave woman. I have this servant. Her name is Hagar. Take her. Have a child with her so that I might build my own family. In those days and in that culture and in the hierarchy and the structure that they lived in, Hagar's children would become Abraham and Sarah's children. She would lose possession of those children. So what happens is Hagar conceives a child, and as expected, there is some tension in the house between Sarah and Hagar. Because of the power differential, Sarah begins to abuse Hagar, and Sarah begins to mistreat Hagar. Hagar, pregnant and discouraged, runs away. Little did she realize that she would run smack dab into God and have this conversation. And this is where we pick up the story in Genesis 16. You'll see it on the screen. Hagar, slave of Sarah. This is God speaking. Where have you come from and where are you going? And she replies, I am running away from my mistress Sarah, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. I think most of us here can really identify with the emotions that Hagar would have been feeling. 
I think we've all had that feeling that somebody manipulated us or somebody used us for their benefit, that we were kind of just uh, a ploy or a pawn in somebody else's plans, and now that they used us, took advantage of us, they kind of threw us away. I think we can all identify with the emotions that Hagar would be feeling having been used for somebody else's benefit. I think particularly the mothers in the room can identify with the emotions of what it would be like to conceive a child, to carry a child for nine months, and then know that you're going to have to give that child away. I think we can all identify with the painful emotions that Hagar would have been feeling, having been used and abused by someone, having been kind of thrown and cast aside, knowing that she would eventually lose possession of her child. And, and for all of that, instead of getting thanks or respect or honor or gratitude, what she got was she got difficulty. She got disrespect and she got disappointment. And I think we can understand that emotion. But, but more than that, I think we can not only identify with her emotions, but we can also identify with her actions with her choice to run away. Because most of us in this room, at one time or another, have found ourselves in difficult circumstances that, that, that for us meant great difficulty, meant maybe even disrespect and disappointment. And like Hagar, we chose to run away. We looked at the difficulty, we looked at the circumstances, and we said, I'm out of here. Maybe we tried to stay engaged, but it just got too much, and we ran away. Many of us here have probably worked difficult jobs with a difficult boss or difficult people to work with, and at some point we just decided this is too difficult. I'm escaping. I'm running away. Sadly, it happens very often in the church where a difficult situation, a relational situation, or, or some leadership situation happens within the church, and it raises a level of difficulty, and we just decide, you know, there's another church down the corner that I can go to. Some of us have walked away from friendships and relationships because a difficulty arose. And instead of staying in that and staying engaged in that difficulty, we walked away. Some of us have walked away from very meaningful relationships or have had people walk out of meaningful relationships. Because it was easier to run away than work through the difficulty. Some of us have walked away from dreams and endeavors and challenges because they became more difficult than what we wanted. Now, I just want to put a pin in that. Press pause on this train of thought. Let me step over here for a second. Kind of a public service announcement. Throughout the history of the church, we have often failed those who have been abused those who have been in situations where they have been used and mistreated. In a patriarchal type of way, we have at times forced people to stay in abusive situations. And if that is you, I want to say I apologize for anybody in a role of the church telling you that you needed to stay in an abusive situation. And what I am talking about today is not staying in a place of abuse and being mistreated like that talking about something altogether different. So taking those abusive situations out of it, it still leaves a lot of meat on the bone for us to talk to. A lot of other very difficult situations, and it's those other 
difficult situations that, 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 that we find God stepping in to Hagar's life and asking her this question, where have you come from and where are you going? And it's an interesting question because we know from, from the front page to the back page of the Bible, we know that God knows us. In fact, Psalm 139 says this, Where can I go to escape from you? Where could I get away from your presence? The one truth about the Bible is that God knows us. He knows our coming in and He knows our going out. And so God did not lose track of Hagar like some of us lose track of our cell phone. You ever lose, uh, this is like a new phenomenon, uh, the, the fear that rises in our heart when you lose your cell phone. Honestly, what would you rather lose, your wallet or your cell phone? I mean, nobody wants to lose your cell phone, right? And if you ever lose your cell phone, you're running around, you're looking for it, you're trying to remember the last place that you put it, you're, you're trying to search for, you know, locate, you're trying to call it, you get nervous when you lose your cell phone. That wasn't what was happening with God and Hagar. God wasn't running around heaven asking the angel, has anybody seen Hagar? Where did I put Hagar? He wasn't searching between the, the couch cushions to see if Hagar was there. He hadn't lost track of Hagar. He knew where she had come from, and he knew exactly where she was going. And so what was he getting after in asking this question? And I think the point of the question is this, is that Hagar had become so blinded by the difficulties of her circumstances that she failed to see both the importance and the imminence of God's plan in her life. Her circumstances had become so difficult that she, she, she became blinded by the pain, blinded by the rejection, blinded by the hopelessness. And the weight of her circumstances weighed down on her so much, brought her to such a dark place that she could not see God anymore. She could not believe in God anymore. She had no more hope in her life. She couldn't see that God was up to something. She couldn't believe, as Romans 8.28 says, that God was working all things together for her good. And most importantly, she couldn't see that in running away, she was about to miss out on a tremendous blessing that God had planned for her. And the lesson that we learn from the life of Hagar is this, that when we choose to escape difficult circumstances, we end up missing out on God's divine plan for our lives. But there have been times in each of our lives where we were in a difficult situation and God had something planned for us there. He had a resolution plan. He had a provision plan. He had a lesson plan. He had character development planned in that difficult situation. But in our humanity, in our flesh, in our weakness, and in our pride, we just say, I can't take this anymore. I'm out of here. And we walked away and we missed out on something. The lesson that we learn from the story of Hagar is that if we stay, if we wait, if we fix our eyes on God, if we change our perspective in those difficult circumstances, we are going to see God move in a way that we never would if we run away. So, I think that there are maybe three levels of application that this message could have in our lives. And I'm going to pray in a minute here for the Holy Spirit 
to provide each one of us a, a particular, a very specific target for us to apply this message to. And your target may come from one of these three places. And the first place is from your past. Maybe there is a situation in your past that the Holy Spirit wants to remind you of, a situation where you were in a difficult circumstances and you chose to escape. And maybe today what the Holy Spirit wants to do is He wants to take you back to that difficult place and He wants to show you and demonstrate to you, hey, this is what I had planned here. This is what I wanted to do in your life. This was a lesson there. And I would love for us to revisit that. And so maybe there's some, there's some unfinished business in an old, difficult circumstance that God wants to do in your heart today. Be open to the Holy Spirit taking you back to that place and finishing that business. Maybe you are presently in a very difficult circumstance and like a prisoner in Alcatraz, you are plotting your escape. You have all of the, the ways figured out. I know how I'm going to escape this situation. And maybe today the Holy Spirit wants to meet you and say, no, no, don't go anywhere. It is important that you stay. I will be your strength. I'll be your provider. And then the third, maybe this coming week, maybe next month, maybe next year, you are going to be in a difficult situation. And what the Holy Spirit wants to do today is He wants to download in advance the answers and the wisdom that you need for that moment that's coming down the road. So that in that moment of difficulty, and when the weight of that difficult circumstances starts to press down on you, you can go, oh, wait a second. I remember that day that Dennis shared that message about Hagar. And maybe in that moment, you're going to have an answer that you wouldn't have otherwise. So let me just pray. So Holy Spirit, I thank You for Your ability to move along the time continuum, the past, present, and future seamlessly. And so in this moment, Holy Spirit, take each person in this room to wherever You want to take them on that timeline continuum. Whatever the target or the focus or the moment of our life is that You want this message to apply to, I pray that You would make that clear in our lives so that we would walk out of here not having just heard this message, but knowing exactly where in our life this message is meant to be followed. Amen. So today I just want to share a few truths about our difficult circumstances and God's divine plan and how our difficult circumstances and God's divine plan intersect. So the first thing I want to share with you is difficult circumstances don't define God's truth. Difficult circumstances don't define God's truth. So if we know that the question, where are you coming from and where are you going, was not really the question, what was the question? What was God after? What was the real question that God was asking Hagar? And, and amongst the, the questions, I think, that were wrapped up in this conversation, one of the most critical questions that God was really asking Hagar was this. Hagar, what conclusions have you allowed your circumstances to make for you? Hagar, what are you believing? What are you thinking? What conclusions have you come to based on the circumstances around you? I think all of us, we, we have this tendency where we allow our circumstances to impress upon us, to make conclusions for us. 
and we take a look at our circumstances and, and, and on the, the playing field or on the level or of the plane of our circumstances, we live on that. We, we don't live outside of our circumstances, but we, we get stuck in our circumstances and we allow those circumstances to start making conclusions about life. You know, I've been disappointed in the past. I'm always going to be disappointed. Don't expect much out of life because my experience with life is that it's disappointing. A lot of people are walking around with conclusions about the, the life they're living and the future life that they're going to live, the, their future based on their past experiences. They've made conclusions based on their circumstances. A lot of times we make conclusions about our present relationships and our future relationships based on our difficult circumstances from our past relationships. This has happened to me. People have let me down. People have used me. People have taken advantage of me. People have, have hurt me and wounded me. We went through a whole series on that. And so we make, we make conclusions about people's motives. We make c- conclusions about people's intentions. Have you ever found yourself doing this? Have you ever found yourself kind of assessing what somebody has said to you and realizing that you are imposing on them a debt that they don't owe? You are imposing upon them the motives of someone else? And so a lot of times we can make conclusions about the motives and the intentions of other people based on our past circumstances. We can also make conclusions based on our circumstances about ourselves. In a moment of difficulty, in a moment of failure, or in a moment of sin, or in a moment of weakness, or or lack of courage, and we're in a a difficult place, in a difficult circumstance, we allow that circumstances to define who we are. And we start believing that we will always be weak, we will always sin like this, we will always lack courage, we'll never be smart enough. And we start making conclusions about the coming days based on the day that we're living in now. And maybe most problematically, we start to make conclusions about God based on our difficult circumstances. If I don't see God here, I won't ever see God. If I can't see God working, then I don't believe God is working at all. If I'm not hearing from Him today, that means He just doesn't ever speak. You take a look at, at Hagar and some of the circumstantial conclusions that she made. She would have made the conclusion, you know, that there's no hope here. There's this power differential between Sarah and I, and Sarah is always going to be Abraham's number one, and I'm always going to be second string at best. And this power differential will never be gone, and so I will always be second. I will always be a victim probably made the conclusion based on our circumstances that I have no value. I was just used to give birth to an heir for Abraham, and then I was cast on, on, on the junk pile. I was cast aside. I have no value other than the child within my womb, and once that child has been born, I have no value. And she probably looked at herself in the mirror and concluded, I've got nothing to offer probably came to the conclusion that no one is ever going to protect me. I'm completely vulnerable and exposed. You would thought that the one person who might protect her is Abraham. After all, they they shared this intimate moment. They shared a child. 
Uh, but when Abraham found out that, that Sarah was abusing Hagar, he, he essentially washed his hands of it and he said, she's your slave, do with her what you want. So the one person that could have protected Hagar just washed his hands of her. And so she probably concluded that if I don't protect myself, if I don't defend myself, if I don't run away from danger, there's not going to be anyone there to protect me. There's no one to turn to. There's no one to talk to. No one sees my difficulty. Those were the conclusions that she made. And Hagar's mistake at this part of the story was allowing her present circumstances to define God's permanent truths. She believed more in her present circumstances than in the permanent truth of God. And that's the temptation in difficult circumstances. is to put our faith and our hope and to put our trust in what we're experiencing and what we're seeing in the moment instead of who God is and what God's Word says. So the question that God was asking Hagar is, Hagar, what are you putting your faith in? Are you putting your faith in your circumstances or are you putting your faith in my character? Think about that for a moment in your own life. What right now is influencing you more? Your present difficult circumstances or the character of God? What is causing your heart? What is affecting your heart more? Your present circumstances or the character of God? What are you putting your faith into? So many times, even though we're believers and we're followers of Jesus Christ, we find ourselves in difficult circumstances, difficult situations, and we begin to slowly, subconsciously, and subtly make circumstantial conclusions that contradict the character of God. We know different. We know better. Many of us have sat in Sunday school as kids and learned about the goodness and the provision of God. Most of us could tell stories about the five loaves and the two fishes. And most of us know the story of David and Goliath. We know all of the stories, but all of a sudden you put us in difficult circumstances and difficult situations and we start making conclusions that contradict the very things that we know to be true. Because it feels true in the moment. Maybe you're in a marriage right now that isn't working real well. And it's so easy in those moments to say, this isn't ever going to get better. This is always going to stay the same. True circumstantially, but not true according to the character of God. Maybe you're in a place where people are saying things about you, where your reputation is being maligned. And it would be easy to make the conclusion that, hey, if I don't defend myself, if I don't stand up for myself, if, if, I, if, I don't, uh, if I don't let the truth be known, then nobody will for me. If, if I don't make this right, people are just going to keep, keep saying these things, and that's what's going to be known of me. And then instead, we overlook the fact that God says, I will make your righteousness shine like the morning star and the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. I'm your defender. We overlook that. Maybe we find ourselves in a difficult financial situation and we assume, I'm never going to have enough. This is always going to be the way it is. I don't have enough to be thankful for. And we overlook the fact that God says, I shall provide all your needs according to my riches and glory. And our difficult circumstances can cause us to be blinded to the provision of God. Maybe you're dealing with a health issue. 
and the difficult circumstances and, and uh, the symptoms of that health issue are so pervasive, are, are so bold and in your face and you deal with them every day that it's so very easy to overlook the fact that God says, I am your healer. And what's even more problematic than making circumstantial conclusions is that those inaccurate conclusions will inevitably cause us to take inappropriate actions. When we make inaccurate conclusions, it will cause us to take inappropriate action. Hagar's choice to run away was the inappropriate thing to do in that moment. She had come to a conclusion that wasn't correct and it caused her to do something that wasn't correct. In my own life, this is something that I've seen happen over and over again. Where I'm in a situation, I'm in a difficult circumstance, and I come to a conclusion, and because of my personality, the conclusion that I come to, usually way too quickly, is I've got to do something. I've either got to change the situation, I've got to defend myself, I've got to make something happen, or I've just got to bolt. It's one of those two things. And this is a tendency within me. So this, this is a very familiar message to my heart. So I'm in a difficult circumstance, and I'm like, well, heck, if nobody's going to do something, I'm going to do something. And so I start doing something. And I can actually do a lot. I can actually be pretty impressive in my efforts. Or at least I think. And then God kind of comes along and says, hey, Dennis, how you doing? I'm like, hey, good God, I'm just making things happen here. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. And he kind of says, Dennis, why are you doing that? Why are you doing what you're doing? What conclusions have you come to that caused you to do what you're doing? And all of a sudden I realize, uh uh-oh, this is one of those moments where God wants to say something to me. You know what's interesting about those moments where God meets me while I'm running away or, or trying to run through a wall with my head first through a brick wall? In those moments, God has far less interest in my behavior like what I'm doing. He doesn't really care about what I'm doing. Because he knows it's not going anywhere anyhow. He's not interested in my behavior as much as he's interested in my beliefs. Dennis, what are you believing right now? What is going on in your mind? What is going on in your heart that is causing you to act this way? And you know the question he often asks me? He often says, Dennis, what more do I have to do to prove to you my character is greater than your circumstances. And in a way that only God can, He starts this little slideshow in my life of all of the times that He's saved me, all of the times that He's blessed me, all the times that He's preserved me, all the times that He's guided me. And this slideshow just keeps going on and on. And with each picture and with each memory, it's just like it starts to, to break down this thing within me. And I come to this place. How could I have ever thought that you would help me in this difficult circumstance? After all of the other difficult circumstances that you've got me out of, or that you've worked through. And in that moment, my God, I'm sorry I ran away. I'm sorry I decided that the best course of action was to break through this brick wall with my head. I should have just sat. I should have just waited. I should have just trusted in you. If you were to listen to the top most 
influential and important Bible verses in the whole Bible. It would be hard to argue that 2 Corinthians 5, 7, you can't make that list. It says this simply, for we live by faith and not by sight. God is calling us to be people who live by faith and not by sight. Because if we're in difficult circumstances and we are living by sight, we are going to be discouraged. If we're in difficult circumstances and we live by sight, we're going to give up on the promises of God. If we have people who are being difficult and people who seem to be blocking our way and seem to be opposing us, then and we live by, by uh, sight and not by faith, then we're going to give up. But when we live by faith, We believe in things that we cannot see. We believe in things that aren't yet true in our circumstances, but we know will be true. And living by faith allows us to stand in a very difficult circumstance. Like Jesus stood while being whipped and beaten, spat on and insulted. While Jesus allowed the nails in His hands to be driven through and hung on the cross in this difficult situation when He had all of the power in the world to call down the legions of angels to defend Him, to rescue Him, He said, No, God, I'm not running away. I'm not giving up. I cannot see Your hand now. And when He descended to the darkest places of hell and in the most difficult place, that one could ever find themselves. He did not lose heart. And He did not take it upon Himself to escape. But He said, God, I trust in You. So I want to ask you this question. What circumstantial conclusions have you made? What are the thoughts and the beliefs that are behind some of the actions in your life? Are there areas of your life where you are believing in your circumstances more in the character of God. And in this moment today, is God wanting you to remember how faithful He has been to you in the past so that you can stay in the difficult circumstance that you're in? Is God wanting you to remember how redeeming He has been in the past so that you don't get overwhelmed by guilt and shame, but you put your hope in the salvation of God? Is God wanting you to remember how abundantly He has provided for you in the past so you don't stay up late at night with anxiety racking your brain and racking your body because you're wondering where the bill is going to be paid out of? Is God wanting you to remember His character today? Where is God wanting you to remember His character in your life today so that you can stand up under the difficult situation that you're in? That is the message and that is the lesson of Hagar. Remember who I am. Because who I am is more important than the circumstances that you're in right now. And let me tell you, this world is getting to be a little bit more difficult of a place to live, if you haven't noticed. Darn it. We need Christians who knows what it means to stand in difficult situations and not shrink back. If there is a lesson that the church needs to learn now, it's how to stand in the face of difficulty and not give up. How to live by faith when everything that we see seems to be against us. We need to know how to do that. We need to know how to take up a position and stand in that position and trust that God is going to come through. 
and not be moved by our circumstances, not be moved by the polls and the statistics, not be moved by the political things that are happening, but just say, I am standing here in this difficult situation, and I shall not be moved because my God is good, my God is faithful, my God sees what is going on, and He is going to come through in my life. He is going to turn this thing around. That's what we need right now. And I, I kind of think that the church right now is a little bit like that person who walks into the gym on January 2nd and has not worked out and needs to get back in shape. And I think that there, there is a, a, a dimension to the Christian faith that, that it has kind of this steely, this gritty determination. And, and I think the ease in which we've been living in has allowed us to get a little bit soft in our faith. And what God is wanting us to do, and I sense what the Spirit is calling the church to, is it's time to get your hands dirty. It's time to get, get a little sweaty, to spill a little blood, to get, to get a little bit tough in your faith, to get ready to learn how to stand under difficult circumstances so that there is someone still standing at the end of all of this that the world can look to and go, what has allowed you to still be here? And we can say, I serve a God who is faithful. I serve a God who is good. And I don't need the circumstances around me to prove that. Because I know in my heart it is true. That was a lesson that was behind the question to Hagar. Where are you coming from? Where are you going? Very quickly, second point. Difficult circumstances don't limit God's plan. The end of the conversation that God had with Hagar, he said this, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. Isn't it interesting? We talk a lot in the church about the Abrahamic covenant. You realize that Hagar had the same covenant, same promise. What God does to Hagar is in her blindness and in her despair and her difficult circumstances, her head is down. She can't see anything else. She's blind by that. God says, hey, Hagar, I want to show you something. Don't tell anybody this, but I want you to see something. And he pulls back the curtains of his divine plan. And he goes, look at this, Hagar. The child within your womb is going to cause this to happen. Your difficult situations aren't going to get in the way of my plan from happening. God had a plan for Hagar's life. And He didn't need Abraham's cooperation. He didn't need Sarah's agreement to make that plan come to pass. God says, Hagar, don't worry about Abraham. Don't worry about Sarah. They weren't the author of this plan, so they can't finish the plan. I'm writing this story. Nobody else is. Nobody else is going to get in the way of that. God had this plan for Hagar's life, and it wasn't going to be stopped by the intentions of other people. I love Proverbs 19.21. It says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. So I'm kind of in this interesting stage in life as you know, all of our kids are adults now and our daughter got married last week. And so you, you get to certain stages and you start to reflect kind of at the transition of every, every stage. And, and as my, my kids are coming into adulthood, you know, I reflect on where they are and where they're going to end up and 
kind of the job that I've done as a parent, and, and I think about have I instilled, have I bestowed upon them everything that I would want? And often I find myself thinking those same things in terms of this church and the future of this church and, and the character and the culture of this church. And I would have to say, kind of from this parental and pastoral place, if I could reach into my heart and like tear out that one thing that may be the greatest strength in my heart, the greatest passion in my heart, if I, if I could reach within me and pull out something to bestow and to bequeath upon my children or upon my church, this church, it would be this, my unwavering confidence in what I call the relentless sovereignty of God. I, I've seen God so many times in my life and in the history of this church do the impossible things. I've seen God step into the messes of life and when all of the odds were against us. And frankly, when some of those messes and some of those odds existed because of my own actions, I've seen the relentless sovereignty of God step in and go, Dad, you are not so great as to mess up my plans for your life. I've still got this. And it's just like this locomotive, the sovereignty of God, it's like this locomotive that just can't be stopped. And he just says, this is going to come to pass. And I've seen that over and over again. The purposes of God prevail. And in the midst of our difficult circumstances, you have Satan telling us to give up. You have Satan telling us to run away. You've got Satan telling us, those with the type A personality, you better do something because God ain't doing anything. And here you have God saying, be still. Be still and just trust. I am working all things together for your good. And you may be in a circumstance right now that seems very difficult. You may be in a circumstance or a situation where the people around you are not cooperating with the desires within you or the plans of God for you. But I want to say this to you. Don't run away. Don't try to escape just because it's difficult. Don't give up. Don't sulk. Don't just take your ball and go home. Don't try to do it on your own. Remember the goodness of God. Thank Him for the things that He's done in the past. And just say, God, I can't wait. I've got my box of popcorn and I'm waiting for the shell. And I'll keep waiting until your promises prevail. I'm going to have the worship team come forward. Now, this story has, has one of the best endings of, of, of any of the stories we're doing in this, this series. So, God and Hagar have this conversation. And then something absolutely crazy happens. In the Old Testament, there are these names for God. God is called different names. It is quite the honor to give somebody a name. Do you know that Hagar was given the honor of giving God a name? It tells us this at the end of the story says that Hagar says, You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. 
There's a Hebrew word for the God who sees me. It's called El Roy. Great name. El Roy, the God who sees me. And in the Hebrew faith and in the Hebrew tradition, till this day, that name exists for God. El Roy, the God who sees me. A Hebrew woman, an Egyptian woman, who was overlooked, who was abused, who was in a difficult circumstance, is given the honor of giving the living God a name. The God who sees me. What we see through the end of this story is that what started with the question ended with the revelation. Started with the question, where are you going? Where are you coming from and where are you going? And in the end, You see me now. You saw me then. I don't need to go anywhere because you are with me. Your grace and your strength will accompany me. You are the God who sees me. And so here's what I want you to know. That whether you are in a difficult circumstance today or whether that difficult circumstance is coming down the road, I want you to know this. God sees you. You are not alone. You are not abandoned. You don't have to do it on your own and you don't have to escape. God knows you and God sees you. And my prayer for each of us today is that we would have the revelation that Hagar has. My God sees me. My God loves me. My God is with me. Thank you, God. God, I thank you for this message. As the prayer team comes forward, the worship team begins playing. Life can be very difficult. And I know there are people online and in this room today that are just going through some difficulties that maybe nobody else knows about. Just deep struggles and pains within their heart. Difficulties in life that, that are bringing them to a place where they're almost ready to give up. Tempted to maybe do something on their own. And I pray in this time of reflection and response, God, that you would give each of us a revelation that you are the God who sees us. Give us the revelation, God, that our circumstances are not greater than your character. And whatever it is that we need to know about you today, I pray, God, that you would show us that so that we would be able to stand in courage and in faith. Worship team is going to lead us in this last song. We have our prayer team up here, and our prayer team is just here to stand with you uh, in prayer. If you are in difficult circumstances and you say, hey, I just need that revelation, I just need that sense of God's presence in my life so that I can stand victoriously through this difficult circumstances, I would encourage you to come forward for prayer. If there's any other need in your life, relationally, emotionally, physically, we believe that in the laying on of hands, there is a transference, an impartation of the work of the Holy Spirit, and that's available for you today. It's a free gift of God. I want you to hear with that. So I want to encourage you to stand.
and uh, we'll, worship team will lead us in this song. Come forward for prayer. We have communion elements at the back of the room if you want to take communion. Let's just respond to what the Holy Spirit has spoken to us in this moment.